From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast featuring the legendary Vance Bars. Welcome to the Conqueror's Podcast. My name is Manish Kata, and with me today I have special guest Vance Bars. Does I get that the, the last name pronunciation right there? Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Uh, listen, we, we, we have these shows where we have guests on to tell their story and more importantly also why they're here and why we're working with them. And so I want to start this by kind of explaining how Vance and I cross paths. Um, years ago, there was a, a former employee of ours and I went to do bonuses and it was around Christmas time and I called everyone and said, look, I'm, I'm going to issue these bonuses. I'll give you the the increased benefit of just sticking it in your 401k uh, if you want. I was thinking that every single person would say yes, because of course, you know, it taxes, number one. And number two, I am also forced to match that. So, you know, in addition to the to the uh, contribution, I would have to then match that. And th- there was a person at the time who said, no, you know, Christmas is around the corner. I want that in cash. And no judgment whatsoever from my part. Everyone has to run their life however they seem fit. However, that was the light bulb moment for me, uh, because as a financial firm, uh, you know, I think that especially the owner of a financial firm, you know, their responsibilities are not just to pay and take care of their employees in terms of benefit and compensation, but I think it goes a step further, uh, because money is a big stress in a lot of our lives, and I think it's important to make sure that your staff and the people you work with don't have that stress. And it's not just about paying them as much as you can. Of course, compensation helps, but it's also making sure that their lives are in order. And I, th- I really do think that that's the responsibility of business owners. You know, you're in this to make sure your staff is happy. And part of that is to reduce as much stress as possible. So it hit me. I said, what can I do? Uh, that doesn't come across as daddy screaming at their kids. Like, what can I do to put some things in place uh, where employees feel comfortable in their financial decisions in their lives? And that's when I made the decision. I said, look, we have to get a financial planner in here uh, to help our employees. And of course, we work with a ton of advisors, but I didn't want any of those advisors to work with our staff. I wanted this to be completely conflict-free, someone's totally independent that we don't work with as a company, per se, in terms of our products. Uh, And honestly, I came across Vance through another podcast he did uh, where he was just talking about his background, and a lot of things jumped up uh, at me when I was doing that research. Uh, So Vance, tell me quickly about yourself, your practice, um, and, and, you know, kind of how we cross paths. Sure thing. I spent 10 years as a hedge fund and alternative investment consultant slash CPM slash wholesaler. And during that time, I learned way more than I ever bargained for about the inner workings of financial services firms and financial advisors specifically. How do they serve clients? What strategies do they offer? What strategies do they not offer that could leave a lot of value on the table for certain types of fact patterns that are served by their firms. After a decade in that role, a few life events happened, and I decided to ride around the country on a Harley-Davidson for a year. And It was somewhere between Sturgis and Denver that it occurred to me I might be able to leverage some of that knowledge and bring value directly to the public. So I founded the firm 
That was six years ago. We have a little over 50 families around the country, and we do consulting work. And you and I crossed paths at a conference in SoFlow um, down in Hollywood, Florida, and um, it's been a great relationship ever since. You know, what stood out to me with the research I did when we were trying to uh, go down this path was some things that you mentioned. And I like digging into what people say when they do podcasts or do interviews, because I think if you read between the lines, there's a lot to glean because it's easy to call people on their bullshit half the time. And so, you know, one of the things that, that, that jumped out at me is when you talk about planning gaps, um, because a lot of times, you know, you have aggregation software, you have these uh, rudimentary planning exercises where they just kind of, you know, show your, your balance sheet and give you a couple ideas and, and you, you, you go on your way, right? Um, but w- you take things a little bit further, right? So tell me about planning gaps and, and kind of how you attack that. Sure. I became very disillusioned simply because what happens when so many people log into their investment account? It goes red, yellow, green. Are you on track? What does that even mean? Obviously, those of us in the business have a contextual understanding as to what on track is, but let's dig a little deeper. Let's peel the layers of the onion back and figure out, are there any planning gaps that might be left on the table? I've often asked myself why two things don't exist in our industry. One is a true fiduciary standard. People use that word left and right all the time, fiduciary, fiduciary. But why are financial advisors not fundamentally required to bring a minimum level of value to the clients that they serve in the same way that licensed doctors have to take the Hippocratic Oath, which is first, do no harm. And the second thing that's often served as a source of frustration is in financial services, when a practitioner or financial advisor is giving financial advice, there's no requirement that they understand the overall complexities of an estate. For example, the tax return. A lot of advisors go, oh, we don't look at taxes. You need to talk with your CPA or tax advisor. While that's true, the tax returns tell us very vital information about the overall profile and fact pattern, different strategies that we might be able to consider, different strategies that might not be of consideration now, but should be important in the future. Maybe there's a liquidity event. Maybe they sell a house. Whatever those items are, it's really important to understand. And estate planning. Why do so many financial advisors not look at the estate planning documents? It's not because they're pretending to be estate planners or giving that legal advice, but does the client have a will? Do they need a living trust? Do they live in a state where there are certain needs without getting too deep in the weeds to have an irrevocable trust or guardianship for their children and on and on and on. So became very aware of the planning gaps that were often left behind again, because I have spent thousands of hours over a decade inside of financial services firms. So let's unpack a little bit more there because I think you're right. I mean, and, and I don't think it's the fault of advisors who don't do this. I don't necessarily blame them. I think it's uh, coming up in this business, there's a, a large uh, amount of advisors that never really focused on planning, right? It was, it was um, you know, helping, right? Making sure that people were on the right path, uh, but diving deeper into some of the planning gaps never came up. Um, and so when we talked earlier, I said, look, we have a staff of 16. 
Some people are going to need these things, right? But for the babies on the team, they're not going to need 90% of what you just said, but that doesn't mean they don't need you. And so, you know, starting off, you know, you, of course, you have the expertise to help someone that maybe needs all these uh, gaps. Uh, but, you know, what can someone do who's younger to put themselves on the right footing where they may not need some of the details? That's a very simple process of understanding what is our profile right now? Are we contributing to our 401k? Are we meeting the minimum to reach the max threshold? Should we be considering a Roth IRA or a Roth conversion? Is there a Roth 401k option? What's our HAI? A lot of this is pretty straightforward, I'll call it basic planning, but over time can become very valuable for an investor because the last thing we want to do is you know, arrive at retirement and go, wow, if I had known these three key things back when I was 20-something and had invested money a little differently or maybe in a different structure, I would be in a much better financial situation. One. Two, so many of us are very busy in the industry. We're busy serving clients. We're traveling. We're, we're busy at work. And we inadvertently become the cobbler's, uh, you know, the cobbler whose children have no shoes. So it's really important to review our overall profile, whether it's straightforward investing or maybe some of the more comprehensive planning gaps that we discussed. Yeah, and I think w I want to talk about quickly kind of our relationship because uh, I think it's important for business owners to to offer this. And, you know, just to be open and transparent uh, on what we did, we have financial planning software. Like we are a TAMP and we offer software to our advisors to use. But what I found out is that no one was actually using it. And part of that is the comfort level, right? They didn't want to upload a lot of their stuff where, where possibly someone could see it. Um, and, and there is some, some nerve wracking, uh, going on with that. And so I said, all right, look, let's find someone who's completely independent. Uh, I have nothing to do with this other than paying the bill. Um, and then let's set up some sort of program that says, okay, uh, you charge hourly in this case. And, you know, some people are going to require more hours and some aren't. And there's a trust factor in that, right? I, I need to be able to trust that, you know, a 15 minute conversation isn't going to be a, a seven hour bill. Um, but there's no way to know that until you dive deep into that and, and kind of build that relationship, right? So, you know, how do you price things in general in terms of, you know, the planning and, and you know, if you want this type of relationship with other companies, you know, what, what do you see in that structure? Every situation is different because it really depends on the complexity of the planning, which ultimately boils down to time. So our firm has an initial model, whether it's a client profile like yours, or it's a family that's you know been in the wirehouse or the banking blender, as I like to call it. By the way, I still need to send you the initial invoice. Thank you for the reminder. I appreciate that on air. Um, but nonetheless, if they've been in the banking blender for... 20 or 30 years, they're used to a particular service model. And we tell clients up front, you are not required in any way to move money to us. Not only that, but we're never going to ask you to move money. Instead, we have a flat cost model where we're retained up front to review specific pieces of information depending on the profile of that client. In your case, it's for the employees because you're offering what, in my opinion, and yes, this is conflicted, uh, feedback is a great service to your in-house employees, right? Um, other families 
might come into our world because we met at a charity event or on a plane or in an elevator. I just, I've never met a stranger and I talk to everyone that I meet and conversations naturally happen. And so we will do a deep dive and look at estate planning documents, tax returns, investment account statements, and an overall household balance sheet and, and also all risk management policies that are in place, figure out what those planning gaps are and then present a report to the client at the end. And what we found is that in that model, all but one family who has gone through that process at the end of it has turned to us, Manish, and gone, we didn't know what we didn't know. You now know everything about us and what needs to happen out of curiosity. What would you charge to accomplish these things on our behalf? And that's how the firm has grown. And it just depends. So sometimes asset management is part of that. And we have a separate fee structure for that. We also do hourly planning and, uh, and per project planning, which you're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, look, we, too many people on Twitter have this battle and they spend their whole days fighting about fee and the type and what's the best. And the answer is usually with everything. It depends. Uh, there, there is no right answer. It just depends on the services and, and, and what you're offering. So, um, you know, and, and that's what honestly what attracted me to, to, to your side of it. Right. We have the asset management for the most part. Uh, as part of our service, and we just needed this this planning thing thing set up. So, um, any other um, things that come to your mind that you want to get off your chest, or, or questions you have of us in Potomac? Is this the first time that a company has approached you and said, "Hey, sixteen employees, go help them"? Yes, it is the first time that we've ever been approached for this. And I remember when we were corresponding on other things. You said, "Hey, I have this idea. I'm just floating this thing. I want you to consider it." I was so honored to be in receipt of that invitation because of all the people on FinTwit, of all the, the industry folks that you and I both know, um, it, it was truly a privilege. And you asked me, is there anything I want to get off my chest? I have lots and lots of time to talk about the industry, and I love talking about the industry and largely bashing on the industry. There's so many things that I would love to change about this industry. You know, you mentioned the FinTwit community and the argument on fees. Like, do neurosurgeons sit around with their with their phalanges and go, well, you're charging too much. Like, really? I have an idea. Why don't we invest our time in the business model that we prefer to use to serve clients and bring value? Let's not argue about it. Let's be about it. There is no one size fits all. There is no one solution. And it's interesting because I've met advisors who prefer to do the flat cost or hourly consulting because that's their go-to. Maybe that's just the model that they prefer. Maybe it's really hard to raise assets. And let's be real, it's really hard to raise assets. You meet a family that has a million, five million, 25 million, and they've had a long-standing relationship and a personal relationship at that with their you know, so-called advisor, that's a really hard thing to insert yourself into and to have them happily in that relationship. Money is emotional. Money is psychology, uh, uh, psychological, excuse me. And, you know, you form this empathic bond between client and advisor, and it's often very hard for people to break that because of the longstanding nature of the relationship and how deeply personal it is. And that's why I went, you know what? I'm out of the business of trying to convince people to move their money. When I removed that 
element from the conversation and said, hey, I'm Vance. I spent a decade of my life consulting and educating financial advisors all around the country at almost every firm you could possibly think of. I know what they do. I know what they don't do. We're here to show you what you're not getting, and we're here to identify and fill in the planning gaps that exist. That's when the client conversation changed. I've never had to ask for money after that. People have naturally wanted to do that. And one of the things I really respect about you approaching our firm to provide this service to your employees is because not only are you a content machine, but the content that you present shows the culture within your firm. And that's something I'm excited to be part of. We, we just always felt that it was it's easier just to tell the truth and act uh, like you are versus putting on a facade, right? That's old Wall Street, right? And so um, we just kind of made that move. But real quick before we end this, I play tennis with a group of business owners. And the one thing that always comes up these days is that given the, the, the state you know, of, of customer service, like a lot of times these companies are trying to scale and you end up in a support chat or you end up sending an email in. One of the things that, these, that we all agree upon is if you have a human that can pick up the phone and answer your, your questions and meet the needs and your desires, you're going to win business 100% of the time. Uh, now more than ever, because you know people are, are skimping on that part of the business. Um, and, and that's where the human side comes in. I think we're, we've done a 180, right? For the longest time, everyone wants to scale and streamline and you know, workflows and all these things. And now we're just going back to, hey, you know, I don't really care what things cost. If you just pick up the phone and, and I guess, you know, call me back or, or answer, um, you know, you have a happy customer. So, um, hey, uh, Manish, for what it's worth, all of these tennis playing uh, multimillionaire friends of yours, you can tell them about me, give them all my cell phone number, have them call me directly. I don't refer people. I don't want that shit in my face if something goes wrong. You got to go get your own clients, my friend. Um, all right. With that being said, listen, like, subscribe. We're on YouTube. Vance will be on YouTube soon. He's going to be a content machine coming up here as well. Uh, so keep on the lookout for all of us. Thank you. And we appreciate you. Thanks so much. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.